I'm curious about uh, your reaction to this to this next uh, topic that we're going to dive into because since I was a little kid, I've been hearing about Bigfoot or Sasquatch. I remember an episode of the Six Million Dollar Man with you know Colonel Steve Austin, and uh, and there was a, an, a part where I, apparently Bigfoot was an alien. So that, that there you go. But where knows all all these myths and where do they come from? The pictures you can talk to some people and they will absolutely convince you they know what they saw. Well, do they? So how do you figure it out unless you capture Bigfoot or you capture the, the, the per- and with all the deep fake sort of videos that are available now, who would believe anything anyway? Uh, so what do you do? I guess you look at the data. At least that's what uh, data analyst and scientist Flo Foxen has done and has published a study about this specific topic. Is there a Sasquatch? More, more importantly, if you saw one, here's what it probably is. So Flo's joining us this morning. Flo Foxen, great to have you on. How are you doing this morning? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I don't think you have any idea about the $6 million man reference that I just made in the Sasquatch that was in that uh, that show, that TV show, way back when, do you? My grandfather had a $6 million uh, man figure up in his attic, and uh, I really wanted it, but I never got it. <laughs> yeah, you can always dream, you know, maybe there's an opportunity as a collector at some point. Uh, away from the topic, though, Flo Foxen, you're a data analyst and a scientist. Please on explain to me why you're, you're focused in on Sasquatch. So uh, my partner, who's also a scientist, is the biggest fan of the X-Files. And last year I took her on an X-Files-themed road trip around the UK. So we went to Stonehenge, and one of the places we visited was Loch Ness, where there's a similar anthrozoological phenomenon with the Loch Ness monster. Mm -hmm. And we're both skeptics being scientists, but it got me thinking, you know, have any serious scientific studies been done on this sort of thing? And so that's what led me down this path to look at Bigfoot. And you ended up writing something called If It's Real, Could It Be an Eel? First off, I I love the Dr. Seuss rhymings. Uh, Secondly, what did you find out with that? So uh, one of the uh, main hypotheses as to a natural explanation for the Loch Ness phenomena is that it might be a giant eel. We know from DNA studies at the lock, there are a huge number of eels in the lake, a lot of eel DNA. So people have hypothesized that maybe a really big eel, say a few meters or maybe a dozen feet, Splashing about on the surface could be confused for a lake monster. Mm. Uh, so I looked at a distribution of, of uh, catches of eels, uh, how long they can get. And I used probability theory to look at, okay, what are the chances of finding a really big one? And there's a good chance of finding one that's about a meter long, which is fairly big for a European eel. Mm-hmm. Um, but the chance of finding one, you know, five meters, maybe 12 feet or so, were, were pretty low. So probably not an eel. So maybe, or it was just something, and then the uh, the the word of mouth and the legend just grows and gets exaggerated from there. More likely, I think that's part of it. Yeah. Now, as far as Sasquatch or Bigfoot or whatever you end up wanting to to call it, uh, as we return to the uh, to the rhyming way of of, of looking at it, uh, your latest one is: if it's there, could it be a bear? Well, that seems like a pretty, in some ways, that seems like a, like an obvious possible confusion. Yeah, I mean, some people don't really think someone could make that confusion, um, but bears are known to walk on their hind legs. They can walk bipedally. There's a very famous bear in America called Pedals who's known for doing this. And so, you know, maybe in dark lighting, maybe through the foliage in the woods, you can imagine how a large, upright mammal with dark, shaggy fur could certainly be confused for a giant ape. 
But so what, does the data support that? Like you could postulate that, you could make a guess on that, but what data do you have that suggests that is a distinct possibility? So I use a kind of statistical model called the regression model, and, and all that is is it's trying to find an association between two variables. And in this case, I looked at all of the Sasquatch and Bigfoot sightings on record across all of the U.S. states and all of the Canadian provinces and the bear population, the black bear populations in all those states and provinces. And I ran a model to see if there's an association between the two. And I also controlled for confounding by, you know, the number of people in each state or province, because the more people, you'd expect more sightings. And the land area as well, because the larger the land area, you might expect fewer sightings because they're sparsely populated. And what comes out of this model is a, a really significant association between the number of black bears and the number of Bigfoot sightings, such that the more bears, the more sightings. And that suggests that maybe not all, but certainly a great number of the so-called Sasquatch sightings out there are actually misidentifications of black bear. And the first thing that leaps to my mind, and no, I'm not, not trying to be a pain here, I'm just thinking that in it, if, if you assume that, that the forest is where Sasquatch lives because it can hide behind the trees and disappear, that also just happens to be the habitat where bears are. So you could, you know, maybe it would be the same as deer. Where there's a lot of deer, you get a lot of Sasquatch sightings. That's an excellent point, and it's a good caveat of this uh, analysis. What we have here is correlation. It's not necessarily causation. Yes. And certainly that correlation could be caused by a third variable. Like you say, it could be that Bigfoot preys on bears, um, or it could be that, you know, if there was a negative association, it could have been that they competed for the same land area. So there's certainly other um, possibilities here. Like I say, I'm skeptical, but I'm not incredulous. Uh, it is also interesting because there there are a lot of Bigfoot sightings, as I understand it, down in, in Florida and in Texas, for example, not big bear populations down there. What might be attributed to, to that? Or is just is it just that the legend has grown from other places and sort of taken root there for whatever reason? Well, that's absolutely right. And, and I note that in the article, um, I have a, a map that shows you all of the sightings and the bear populations. And they're both really strong in the Pacific Northwest area, which you'd expect. But like you said, in places like Florida and Texas, much fewer bears. Um, and yet we still have these sightings. So one possibility, of course, is that Sasquatch is real. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't rule it out. Uh, I think it's a low probability, but it's possible. Um, another explanation is that there are other fauna in the area that are being confused for Sasquatch. For example, you know, another person, maybe a hunter in a ghillie suit could be confused, that sort of thing. And obviously, one, a small proportion of them will also be hoaxes. I tend to believe people when they say they've seen something. It doesn't mean they aren't mistaken, but I tend to believe people mostly aren't lying. But occasionally you do get hoaxes. Uh, data analyst and scientist Flo Fox, and why did you why did you do this particular bit of research? Uh, to me, in some ways, it's just a way to, to sort of flex the muscles and show what you do in data research and looking at different kind of models. Was it was it intended as an education of the area that you study in that you work in, or intended specifically on Sasquatch or something like that? Yeah, so I'm interested in both. I'm interested in applying these sorts of mathematical tools to a broad range of areas from astronomy, where I have my degree in, and also cryptology, the study of ciphers, public health, which is what I do for my day job. Um, so I'm interested in that. But I am interested in Bigfoot and kind of the cryptids specifically as well. Um, from the 1950s through to the 1980s, there was this kind of subculture of cryptozoology, the study of hidden animals. Mm. And it's kind of lost popularity these days. But I do find it really interesting. A lot of real serious anthropologists and biologists got involved at the time and published some really interesting articles and books. 
Uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fascinating, fun stuff. And uh, you must have been getting some reaction. Obviously, we're talking to you on the radio this morning. I know Global News uh, actually did something with you. So you, you obviously tap into some some kind of curiosity that people have on this. I think that's right. I think it's a bit like the dinosaur effect in Jurassic Park. I think that even from childhood, people really have a fascination with myths and monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very cool. Flo Foxen, thank you so much. Uh, and you know what? I have to ask you about your name because it's unusual to me. Flo, F-L-O-E. Where does that come from? Is that is that something you can help me understand? So if you look it up in the dictionary, the uh, definition for an ice flow, there are two definitions. One is a large sheet of ice. And the other one is a smaller piece of that sheet that's kind of broken away from the pack. And mm-hmm. I really associate with the latter definition. You have broken away from the pack. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Flo. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.